Good morning. I was reminded uh, this morning as we start the year off right uh, on Sunday here at Wyatt, uh, first Sunday of 2020, how much I appreciate all of you because this morning I have, uh, I'm fighting an ear infection and I can't hear out of this ear. And so as I was singing, the overwhelming voice of worship was my own and it was awful. And so I'm just really, I was reminded this morning of, despite many of us being terrible singers, when we all meet together and we all sing out, uh, that we do make a joyful noise that uh, I'm glad I get to listen to uh, most Sundays and not my own terrible voice. I want to say this morning that if you're here and you're, you're starting your year with us uh, at Wyatt and you're not a member I want you to know we're thankful for you. We're thankful for you being here. If you've been coming quite a bit and you're not a member, anytime you're here, that's a blessing to us. But I also want to encourage you that if you've been through our Membership Matters class, that maybe you would become a member. We think it's very important here at Wyatt. And if you haven't been to our Membership Matters class, we're offering one next Sunday. We always like to to start uh, the year off with opportunities to become members if you're committing in your life to, uh, to take church more seriously uh, and really delve into membership, that's a great class to look at who we are as why. That doesn't mean that, that you have to join. That means you're going to find out more about us and you may run to the hills when you find out more about us. But uh, hopefully you wouldn't do that. You would uh, appreciate what we love and value as a church, but that, that class takes place in the Sunday school hour and then for an hour or two uh, after uh, the service on Sunday and we, we feed you breakfast and lunch. And uh, if you want to sign up for that class, there's a place on the connection card there that you can sign up that way. You can call the church office. You can email us. Uh, just let us know early in the week so we know how many to expect for that class. Turn with me in your Bibles to... Psalm 119. We're starting a new series this morning. That's, uh, that's always exciting. I don't know if it's exciting for you. It's exciting for me as a, a pastor to, to just be excited about what God may have for us in a text of Scripture. And We'll be looking at Psalm 119. And, and just so you kind of know how this is going to work, there's 22 sections of Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in all of Scripture. And there's 22 sections, and we'll talk a little bit more about how they're sectioned off. But what we're going to do, we're, I'm going to preach on 11 of those sections, okay? Well, what about the other 11? The other 11 will be uh, covered in our Wyatt Primer. The Wyatt Primer is a, uh, is, a, is a daily email where you receive just uh, some scripture in your email box uh, with some, uh, some, some questions to help you examine that scripture and then a prayer to kind of pray that scripture into your life and a dinner table question to maybe ask your kids and generate discussion in your home about that text. And so if you, if you don't subscribe to the White Primer, you're not going to get the full impact of Psalm 119. And so, uh, so just to make you aware of that, so just to be clear, uh, this morning we're looking at Aleph, okay? That's the first section and that's the first eight verses. The Primer this week will cover Beth, uh, uh, Beth, uh, and that'll be verses 9 through 16. We'll come back next Sunday and cover Gimel, the third section, which is 17 through 24. So if you kind of look at your Bibles, you'll see how that's 
sectioned off. So every other uh, section will be covered by sermon. Every other section will be covered by the primer. So if you want to subscribe to the primer, uh, you can, again, go to Facebook and find a link there. You can write it, again, on your connection card. Just put your email and write primer. Uh, and I believe there's still a sign-up list out here uh, if you'd like to get that. And so just to let you know, to get the full impact of Psalm 119, it'd be great for you to subscribe to that daily email. So all that aside, man, let's get into the Word of God this morning. Psalm 119, starting with verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole hearts, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Let's, let's pray one more time as we begin this series. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that over the last, over the next three months, God, that God, we would begin to adopt the heart of this psalmist, God, who is so in love with your word and so in love with what you've said. God, help us that, that maybe our scripture reading, first of all, God, that we would be people of the word, that we would daily open up your scripture. But God, I pray that if we do that out of duty, that that would change into delight. God, help us. Help us to have a heart, have a joy, have a desire for your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is your natural inclination to rules joy? Is that kind of how you feel about rules uh, when you uh, are pulled over by the cop when you're late for work? And he's back there, like they do, back there writing the ticket. Are you sitting there thinking, I love speed limits. They keep my family safe. They're wonderful. They keep the roads safe. No, you're like, ah, oh, speed limits. Why does this have to be? I'm, I'm getting a ticket. It's going to be, a, how much money is this going to cost me? Or your football team gets the yellow flag. And they're having to be backed up on that crucial play maybe a, a touchdown was scored but instead of that touchdown you're backed up you sit there and go oh thank you for these rules of football that keep these players safe that that keep everything working as it should do you this time of year think it's time to think about taxes i love the rules that i have to pay the government right now Our instinct is to dislike rules. And even when we like the rules, oftentimes we don't like those rules to always apply to us, right? We want our pick and choose. We want other people to live by that rule because that's a good rule. I don't necessarily want to always live by that rule. Well, I will tell you this. 
the nameless author of Psalm 119, loved God's rule. He cherished them. He praises them. It's just about all we know about the author. This is all we know about him. We don't, he's not named. But we know that he loved the word of God. That it thrilled his soul. It's a fascinating chapter even beyond just its long length. It's disordered in some ways. It's very emotional. It's almost a stream of consciousness kind of writing. It's almost like an eighth grade boy writing to his girlfriend, just, just letting those emotions out and, and telling her what he means. Or it's just, just that kind of emotion and, and word pictures and things. But it's also incredibly ordered at the same time sadly much of this is lost to the translation of it but as you'll see there's 22 sections and each one of those sections represent a letter of the hebrew alphabet which has 22 letters in it and in each of those in the original hebrew each of the statements in those sections begin with that particular letter right so i mean imagine how how difficult that was to write okay i have this heading this letter and all of my state eight statements need to begin with that letter there's incredible structure here that we don't necessarily see in the translation of it there are eight words for God's laws, just eight different ways, whether it's laws or precepts or, uh, or, or, or whatever it might be. There's eight different words for it, as you, you see in our text this morning. And you'll find those just constantly, almost in every section, he repeats many of these different words. There's structure in it. And my question for you this morning is, as we begin the series, is, could such a man help us? Could such an author help us? Couldn't a man so caught up with the love of God's Word that he would write a passionate and yet structured love poem to the Word of God? Could that not help us? That maybe we can come out of the other side of, of studying this man's words God's words that we would come out with the other side with a deeper satisfaction and love of the Word of God. I think we need Him. I think we need this. I want to use these first three, these first eight verses as a kind of introduction to our study in Psalm 119. I want us to look at, at three ways we find delight in the Word of God. The first thing is we find delight in God's Word when we walk in His Word and seek Him in His Word. The, the first three verses, or the first, actually the first three verses, but the first two statements given in this chapter are unlike any other in the entire chapter the rest of the chapter is written as a prayer it's it's someone uh it's, it's the writer praying to god about 
his word. The first couple of statements, though, are statements of fact. And he, he, he makes a couple of statements. He said, blessed, blessed are those whose way is blameless. And he repeats that word, blessed. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Now, we, we think of this word blessed, and we think of it as a very super spiritual, very stoic kind of word, or you're blessed. But it simply means happy, right? In the Beatitudes, when it says blessed are those, what it means is happy are those. It's about emotion. It's about uh, a real joy. It's not cold and emotionless. So he's from the get-go saying, man, the Word of God is, is wonderful. It's, it's to be treasured. If you read God's Word often, I wonder how you approach it. Maybe over the past several, yet, several days, one of your New Year's resolutions was to be in the Word. You, you maybe have subscribed to the Primer or you found you a good reading plan to go through. And, and for several days, you've been, you've been buckling down saying, I've got to read the Bible more in 2020. And I wonder how you are approaching it. Is it medicine? You take it in because you know it's good for you, that there's benefit in it. But it doesn't necessarily taste all that great to you. Do you do it just to check it off the list that, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do if I'm going to be a good Christian. Good Christians read their Bible. Okay, I read my Bible today. Is it duty or is it delight? For the writer of Psalm 119, it was delight. For the purpose of introduction, let's jump through the chapter and look at some of the things. This is not an exhaustive list. I had to cut this down quite a bit because we would be here all, all day describing these statements about the Word of God. But let's look at a few. Verse 14, In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. More than my 401k, I delight in the Word of God. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your Word. Verse 20, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Lead me in the, verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Verse 47, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Verse 54, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. Verse 70, their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your word. Verse 96, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. He's saying there's not much perfect in this world, but I've seen God's word and it is perfect. A personal favorite in verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to the, my mouth as a beekeeper. I like that. There's nothing like in the spring 
Last spring when, when we got honey out of the hive and just getting it out of the, 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 the comb and, and man, our, our, my kids couldn't resist just reaching in there and grabbing that honey because it's sweet and it's good. And that's how this psalmist sees the Word of God. It's good it's to be craved. Verse 127, Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Verse 131, I open my mouth and I pant because I long for your commandments. Ever been that thirsty that you just cotton-mouthed? That's the way the psalmist looks at the Word. I've got to have some of the God's Word. I'm thirsty for it. Verse 159, Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. Verse 162, I, re uh, I rejoice at your wor word like one who finds great spoil. Right? So in Bible times, you conquer your enemy, you got their stuff. And if you conquered an enemy that was rich, man, it was all yours. And, and that's how the psalmist looks. It's, a, it's, it's like conquering an enemy and getting that great treasure at the end of the battle. That's how he views the word of God. Verse 164, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Don't you want that? I mean, sure, discipline comes into play. I don't think the writer start of, of, of this psalm started this way, feeling like God's feeling this way about God's word. And I don't even think he probably always, every season of his life, felt this way about God's word. I'm sure sometimes, some seasons, even he had to read the word out of duty. I'll say this, reading the Bible out of sheer discipline is certainly better than not reading it at all. But I don't know about you, but I want to delight in the word of God like the author of Psalm 119, don't you? Can you say amen if you want that? If you want that at the beginning of 2020? I want that. And I'm praying that we as a church will find that. But notice here as he opens, it's, it's not just about reading God's Word. It is about walking in it. And he says it's about walking in it and keeping the law. Verse 1, whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. It's not just about reading the Word of God. Sometimes I think so often we, we end up putting down the Word of God because we're not applying the Word of God. We read it. Okay, I checked it off my list. Checked it off of my reading list. I'm a good Christian today. But we don't sit down and think, how does my life, how does my day need to change in light of what I just read. Walk in it. Obey it. Be blameless in it. I mean, this is, he tells us that, that our way should be blameless. Like how? How do, you, how do you as a sinner and me as a sinner, how do we achieve the status of blameless? 
I mean, when, when I examine God's law and the high standards of it, and I examine my own heart and my own life, I go, no, there's, there's no way that I'm perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about perfection and blamelessness are not the same thing in Scripture. We know men of Scripture achieved the status of blamelessness. Noah, it says, was, a, was blameless in his generation. Job, it says, was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. I mean, when we look at that, how? How? I mean, especially when you take into consideration Jesus' words about it's not just what you do, it's about what's going on in your heart. Like, how can we possibly be blameless? But we're not perfect. But what blamelessness means is, and this is a person who, who stands in God's word, who, who seeks every day to live according to God's word. That that you know this person, you you know this, uh, know this person, this man or this woman. You know these type people. No, they're not perfect, but when they're convicted in their heart according to the word of God, they repent. They change. It won't back down when it's something going against God's word. That's what it means to be blameless. It, it means that long obedience, a long path that you're walking. It's the opposite of hypocrisy. Blamelessness doesn't describe, describe what you are on your worst day. It doesn't even describe what you are on your best day. It, it describes what you tend to be on your average day. It's every day of your life of who you try to be, that you love God's Word. That's what, that's what we want to achieve is, is blameless in the sense that that's a person that walks in the ways of God's Word. And that we can achieve. We must know the God of the Word. This is important here. We can never know or especially love the Word of God until we know and love the God of the Word. Notice what he says in verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his, his testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. We cannot separate God's Word from God Himself. Some try to separate God from His Word. They say, you know, I just love Jesus. I don't really get into the whole Bible and the rules in it and what the Bible says, all that, all that stuff, but I do like Jesus. What you're doing is you're worshiping a Jesus of your own imagination because the Word is what tells us who Jesus is. It's who, what tells us who God is. You can't separate God from His Word. It's impossible. But there's some others who try to separate the Word from God. I found that true in my own life, that there's times when I want to know, I want to have good knowledge of the Word of God, but a lot of times, sometimes in seasons, I'm not praying all that much. I'm not truly thinking about how to treat others in, in the sense of being Christ-like and being who God would have me to be. No, I just want the head knowledge. And that's wrong too. 
You can't separate God from his word, and you can't separate the word from God. You can't understand and love the word until you know and love the God who gave the word. Do you know that in the Garden of Eden, that's exactly what Satan did to get mankind to fall, to get Adam and Eve to fall. He came to him. he said, oh, did God really say, begin to doubt God's word? And then he began to separate God's commands from God's goodness of who God is. And he began to say, oh, he just doesn't want you to be like him. He's trying to hold you back. And so once Satan separated God and his, the goodness of who God is from his word, man, they were already gone. They were ready to bite that hook, line, and sinker. So we can't separate God from his word. It never goes well. We know and, and love the Word of God because we know and love the God behind the Word. We know that, that they're not commands and things that are said to hold us down. and they're, they're things that are given to us by a loving Father who loves us. I mean, what, what, what are the rules, the, the rules to your, that you have in your home, that you have for your kids? What do they exist for? Do you have those rules to keep them down? Or to make sure they're successful, make sure they grow into decent people? If you, as a sinful parent, at least know that much, then how much do we, do we, are we guaranteed and have confidence that the loving, perfect God has given His commands out of His good and, 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 and loving nature to help our lives go well our lives to be blessed so not only do we find our delight in god's word when we walk in his word and seek him in his word we delight in god's word when we approach it with diligence and dependence look at verses four through six for a minute He says, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Verse 5, oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. So he says here, he says, hey, the intent of God's word is that it be kept diligently. That means he wants us to put a stake down of our lives and stake our lives on the Word of God and say, I'm not giving an inch. No matter what my passions tell me to do, no matter what others tell me to do, I am standing on the Word of God. I'm going to do it diligently with everything that I've been given, everything within me. But then the very next statement here, it's a prayer. It's basically him saying, God, help me. He knows that he can't just on his own diligently resist the temptation. He knows 
He says in verse 5, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. I want this, God. I want to do right by you. We would be, we're, we will be, you'll be tempted as you read Psalm 119 to think, man, this guy's a goody two-shoes. This guy, he just, he seems like he has it all together. He, he's just, he loves God's word. But I would argue even from the beginning here that he's setting the tone here is that much of what he's writing about is what he's longing to fully be. That he's not a man that has arrived in all these things, but he's saying, oh God, make all these things true of me. And so this is how we, we come to the word of God and we look at it as, as with diligence, with I'm going to everything within me, fight hard to obey it, but I'm also going to realize that I've got to ask God daily for help. That I've got to ask His Spirit to open my eyes to God's Word and, and show me the way to obey God's Word. That There's that balance, right? Of fighting hard, but also resting in God and the fact that He's working in you. Let us be diligent and dependent. Thirdly, we find delight in God's Word when we remain lifelong learners of it. A delighter of God's Word is someone who's continuing to learn of God's Word. The psalmist does not consider himself someone that has arrived. For he says in verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. His joy comes from the fact that, yes, he knows it, and what he knows he, about it, he loves, but he's also, hey, I'm learning. And the more I learn, the more I praise. It's like, this is what's causing him to worship. I learn, and then I worship. I praise him. This is what it means to be a disciple, y'all. This is discipleship. Being a disciple is a lifelong learner. Did this change in the New Testament? No, look, look no further than the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Following Christ is about learning what Christ taught and observing those things. This is the call. The person who desires to delight in the Word of God. To remain someone who's never, ha never arrived. How many of you know of a, a faithful Christian in their late in life and, and they've just been following Christ? And yet every day, despite their old age and despite life winding down. They still open up that word every day because they know, they know they can live a hundred lifetimes 
and never mind the scriptures from all the gold for all the gold that's there. Let us all have that kind of heart. In conclusion, I want you to notice what happens in verse 8. I think it's very important as we study Psalm 119 that we think about this. Lest we are tempted to despair in our lack of love for God's law. He says this in verse 8. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. As he closes here, there is a continued diligence to keep God's law coupled with a deep desire not to be forsaken. Though the psalmist seems like a guy who's got it all together. He's a guy that absolutely, he's in love with the Word of God. And you can tell that he's diligently trying to keep it. And despite all of that, there's still in the back of his mind, coming out of the very first eight verses, that maybe it's not enough. That maybe that effort, maybe that study, and maybe that obedience is not going to be enough that he's going to fall short and be forsaken. Well, I would say if God's law brings him this much joy before Christ, imagine how joyful it would be to him now. It seems, seems in him, as it exists among all Old Testament saints, that the law existed both as a benefit but also as a threat. Keep this law or else you'll be forsaken. But the law to those who are in Christ only exists as benefit. As something that guides us in godly life and, and sends us back to Christ Time and time again, the, the, the God that loves us keeps us dependent on Christ. So I think this psalmist would say, guys, I thought I loved the Word then, but you guys after Christ, to have, to know that Christ kept the law for you? And so, therefore, the law only exists to your benefit and to help you live a more joyful life in Christ. Rejoice, folks. He would say, you have so much more to rejoice because I even I had a little doubt. I was scared I wouldn't be enough. And you realize, you guys realize that you're not enough. And you realize that all of that is found in Christ. And now that you have, are in Christ and, and no longer the law is crushing you, but you're dependent on Christ, now you can go and, and in Christ's power strive, diligently strive to find the joy that is found in obeying God's law. What a glorious, glorious thing to think about that we find delight in obeying God's law when we realize our hope does not rest in keeping it, 
because Christ has kept it for us. But we do not, we do not cast it aside. No, we desire to be like Christ, to know him. And the only way we know him is reading and applying his word to our life. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians come. Maybe you're here this morning and despite the fact that you try to live a pretty good life, you're scared you're going to be forsaken. Well, know that in Christ you will not be forsaken. And so flee to Christ. I would love to talk to you about that. He he laid down, he he kept the law perfectly, even more, more perfectly than the author of Psalm 119. Perfectly. And then he died on the cross, receiving the punishment for those who have not kept the law, so that we might be set free from the law to then go back and pursue the law, but pursue it in Christ and pursue it in the forgiveness and love of Christ. Respond to God however he has spoken to you through his word this morning. Maybe just spend time praying about your desire for the Word of of God and just asking God to grow your desire for His Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for psalmist example and His great love for Your Word, His great desire to keep Your Word, to know You through Your Word. God, I pray that over the next three months we as a church will look a lot like this psalmist God help us to know that our salvation does not come in the keeping of the law but on Christ who kept the law for us God if there's anyone here this morning who who doesn't know Christ who's still under the condemnation of the law I pray that they would respond to you this morning. God, move in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.